Hello and welcome to the Wholehearted Healer Podcast. My name is Dr. Avine Banish and I will be your host. This is the weekly podcast that helps women pause in their busy lives, drop into the heart, and remember their next right step. I am so happy that you're here. Hello and welcome to another episode of The Wholehearted Healer. Um, I'm your host, Avine Banish, and I'm really grateful today you're in for a treat. I have on as my guest, um, Brianna Daniels, Brie Daniels. Brie is um, a bright spot I met when she was seven, and my family and I moved to Eau Claire, Wisconsin, and she moved in next door to us all within the same month that we moved there. Um, and Brie was just kind of like one of my kids growing up. She was um, our kids, Brie and my kids kind of grew up with this, what I think was a fairly idyllic um, childhood. They kind of ran around, went to everyone's house. Um, and so I have great memories of Brie. <laughs> um, Brie, welcome. Thank you so much, A.B. And I'm very excited to be here. Excited to talk to you. Awesome. I also want to give a shout out to Brie. She is a recent graduate a graduate of Montana State University. She um, got her degree in business as well as a minor in sustainability studies. And she is now working at Eagle Mount as a ski instructor um, among, I'm guessing she wears other hats there as well. Um, and I wanted to bring Brie on, you know, this podcast is really just talking with amazing people in different, all different um, realms of life who I think, despite whatever life has sort of handed to them, are living open-heartedly, meaning they are resilient and pivoting um, to life's challenges, and we all have challenges. And so Brie is a two-time cancer survivor and amputee, and um, we're going to get into her story a little bit and into her unique perspective on, um, on disability. So... I don't know, Brie, if you want to take it from there, if you want to share your story a little bit for those who don't know you. Yeah, thank you so much. Um, that reminds me, my nonprofit that I work for called Eagle Mount in Bozeman, our motto is everyone has challenges and we have adventures. And I really Ooh, I like that. that you mentioned that we all have challenges and we're all, you know, and it just really focuses on the individual and the person rather than the disability. Um but yeah, I am a two-time cancer survivor, so kind of had a tough run in my short um, 21 years, uh, or I guess I was 18 the second time. But yeah, I was first diagnosed with a sarcoma when I was 11, totally out of the blue, was a really healthy kid, very, very active, loved sports, um, was an avid soccer player, thought I was going to go professional. <laughs> but um, after I got sick... And I had my surgery, radiation. I just really wanted to be normal. I really wanted people to see me as strong and that, you know, even though I had to go through this terrible thing, I was normal and I wasn't going to let it, quote, slow me down. Uh, little did I know that disability doesn't have to be a bad thing. It doesn't have to be something that um, we see as uh, this problem or something that's wrong with someone. And it wasn't until I got sick the second time when I was 18 years old and had a leg amputation, a lower right leg amputation, um, and was 
kind of welcomed into this community of people with disabilities that I really did see that, oh my gosh, like not only can I still have a very full and joyful life, but I can help other people in my world um, to face whatever challenges they're going through with resiliency and grace. Um, but that you also don't have to, you can let your trauma be what it is just trauma. Um, but yeah, after my amputation and eight months of chemotherapy, I was feeling pretty lost and didn't really know what was next. So I decided to move to Montana because that made a lot of sense. <laughs> so, <laughs> packed up my things and I moved out West, uh, for school. I went to Montana state, as you mentioned, and that was one of the best decisions I could have ever made. Um, I've met the most incredible people out here. And when I was a freshman, I wanted to relearn how to ski. There's awesome mountains everywhere here. There's two, two ski resorts. And so my friends who'd been here, um, they actually worked at the summer camp. Uh, your daughter also worked at, so we had that. Uh, they told me I needed to check out Eagle Mount and relearn how to ski with them. And so I did. And that was four years ago now. And uh, I skied with their program as a participant for two years, and then I volunteered. And now I am a ski instructor and I work for them. What an amazing, an, an amazing trajectory, Brie. What I'm really struck by, you know, as someone who lived next door to you for much of that journey, um, is just how kind of stepping back from it now, how when you talk about just wanting to be normal and you had this overlay of your illness and all that you went through kind of on top of your adolescent journey, you know, and I have, um, Claire, my junior in high school and James, my eighth grader. So I still have kids at home and that desire to be normal, I think strikes a chord for all of us, whether we're adolescents or not, because I think so much of life, so many people were hurting or suffering in a, a myriad of different ways. And there's this idea that there is, first of all, a normal, whatever that looks like, <laughs> and that whatever it is, we just want to be it. And I think um, the way that you just described that time in your life where, where you had you know, such extenuating circumstances on top of being a junior in high school or being a senior in high school, I just, I think that that is a common, it's like common to the human experience. Absolutely. And that everyone just seeks their, their community and their people that understand them mm -hmm. and may view them as quote normal. Um, even though normal doesn't exist and we all know that and normal is boring. Um, right. but what I found at Eagle Mount uh, through both the disability community and also the young adult oncology community. So I am also, um, a part of the oncology camps at Eagle Mount. We are one of the few organizations in the country that serve the young demographic of people who've been impacted by cancer. So we do camps for little kids all the way up through age 26. And wow. normal, normally people age out at 18 and there really aren't any resources. Um, but we have our young adult retreat for 18 to 26 year olds. And it's a really awesome time. You know, people often think, oh my gosh, like a cancer camp. It's probably so sad and probably, you know, all these things, but we laugh more and we have more fun at cancer camp than I've ever had at any other camp I've gone to. Uh, and it exists in the same space as like the tears we share and the stories that we tell one another. And it's just a really beautiful, beautiful thing and a beautiful community to feel normal in, right? Even though our experiences are anything but to the rest of the world or the rest um, of the community. 
yeah, it's it's really fun when you can say jokes and people don't just go, oh my gosh, did did she just say that? <laughs> like you can talk about your experiences and all the good, all the bad, all the ugly. So well, and you can just be who you are, right? Before we press record, we were talking a little bit about um this common thing that happens um to people who you know are going through a chronic illness or when people well-meaning people around you sort of lay this term, like you're so inspirational on you um, when you may or may not be feeling that way. Often I'm guessing you're not feeling super inspirational when you're, you know, getting through chemo and all that. So, so I think that that just to be yourself and to be accepted as flawed, and sometimes you're pissed off and sometimes you want to laugh at humor that other people might find really dark and (laughs) disturbing. Um, there's gotta be freedom in that. Yeah, there for sure is. And, and like you said, I think it's funny. I had a dentist appointment earlier today and my medical history came up and oh, they're like, wow, you're such an inspiration. And I'm, I'm just getting my teeth cleaned. Like, can I please just be me? Right. And of course my story is going to inspire people and whatnot. And that's fair. I've been through a lot. Um, however, I'm just a person out here living my life and, even when I was going through treatment, I was just a person trying to live my life. And I really do appreciate that you're acknowledging that people always be like, wow, you're so brave. I'm like, actually, I was hidden under my covers feeling like the worst I've ever felt in my life. I did not feel very brave. Um, but, you know, I'm very proud of myself for for pushing through and, and choosing to keep keep going after what, you know, I enjoy in life. And I think that that's really what resiliency is when you get down to the end of the day. It's what, what can I find that is still working for me and that I still enjoy? Um, and we try to find that for each of our participants at Eagle Mount. Like, how can we have fun on this mountain and recreate safely in a way that works for each individual, regardless of what their label of their disability is? We really could care less um, what the label is and what people are coming to us with. We're all just out there to ski and have fun or snowboard. Got to be inclusive. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I think. You know, I've spoken on this podcast and just in my life in general with lots of people who have faced different challenges, you know, be it addiction or um, chronic disease or the loss of a child or uh, or the loss of a relationship. And it really seems like um, if we can get through those experiences, not trivializing the trauma or the challenge, that there does seem to be this freedom um, on the other side in that you know, I think when people lay on like, oh, you're so inspirational, it's almost like a way to keep your story at a distance so that it's your story and, oh, that's not going to affect me or my life. But once you've had to go through something, there's a freedom in surviving it. And um, I, I, it seems to me as a common theme and and, and surviving it in a way that um, that it's certainly not perfect, but that there's this honesty in your life and relationship that maybe you don't, you didn't have before that. And you were so young when you were diagnosed, it's, it may be hard for you to remember (laughs) Um, what it was like to be a carefree kid, not worried about cancer. Yeah. (laughs) I, I, you know, have fleeting memories. Um, But yeah, no, for sure. And there's this term that is in the community that we use called inspiration porn and (laughs) it's got its problems, right? But the whole idea is that there's this object, object, eh, I can't say the word, objectification of disability and people with disabilities. Um, and that 
we become objects of inspiration rather than people to others. Mm -hmm. And it's really easy to be like, oh, that's so cool. Or that's so sweet that, you know, somebody with this disability won prom king or whatever. And, you know, it might be well-intended, but at the end of the day, it's like, is it meant to make able-bodied people feel better about themselves? Or is it actually coming from the person um, who had that lived experience? Are you hearing their side of their story? Or is this society projecting this really cool situation that might not actually be so cool and it's patronizing and stop it. <laughs> like we're just living our lives. So yeah, you can look up Stella Young if you'd like to hear more about that topic. She has a really awesome TED talk about it. Yeah. And I think at the same time, there are people who are so afraid when they come across, you know, people going through difficult situations and they're so afraid that they don't know what to say, or they say the wrong thing. Um, and I hear what you're saying and you're saying it with kindness. So it's not like, um, because saying something might be better than saying nothing. I don't know, but I'm sure you've run into that too, where people just sort of fall away because it's too hard. When I was sick the second time around in high school, I noticed a lot of people were there for me at the very beginning. There's people I'd never really even met that were reaching out or, um, you know, posting on social media, like my best friend, Brie. And I was like, I don't know you that well. But then everyone disappeared. You know, there was a handful of people that stuck around um, who could handle the hard, uh, but not many people can do hard for that long and that intense. And it's true. It's it's like showing up in any capacity can be better than not showing up at all. Um, but, you know, I don't begrudge any of those people. We were 18 and cancer is a very scary topic, um, especially when you feel invincible at that age and you're not really engaging in your own mortality. You're trying not to. Um, so I don't actually have any hard feelings towards those friends in my life. A lot of them now are still in my life. Uh, however, I'm aware of who can do hard and who can't. And I try to seek out relationships that have that level of depth where I feel, you know, we could help each other through anything. Um, but yeah, it's interesting. Maybe it's best to say something when someone's been in your life and when you actually have a relationship developed, rather than if you meet someone randomly at the store and they're shopping for broccoli and you notice they're a wheelchair user. Maybe don't say amazing. You're out here <laughs> because we're just shopping for our broccoli. We don't right. need anyone to tell us we're an inspiration. <laughs> um, and you, you also mentioned that you recently um, helped facilitate um, a retreat. So you're, you're doing that at Eagle Mount. Um, can you talk a little bit about that work and, and how maybe you feel like just being in that space is, is helping you, you're, you know, you're at this pivotal moment. You just recently graduated from college and like, what kind of an impact are you dreaming on making in the world? Yeah, no, um, big sky kids oncology camps have been huge in my own personal journey of healing. And now I'm hoping to help impact that healing journey for all the participants who come through the camps um, in the future. And I think the, the biggest thing that stands out for me with it is I had never really met any other um, young adult cancer survivors or people who had been impacted by cancer 
who were further out in their treatment, right? I had met people in the hospital. I'd even Mm -hmm. lost some friends who had went through treatment and that was really, really hard. Um, That was all an isolated experience at Mayo Clinic in Rochester, Minnesota. It existed nowhere else in my life. Um, So finding that community out here in Montana was really beautiful because for the first time I could talk to people who understood my experience in a way that no one else could. And not only understood it, but were able to give me feedback and advice that was actually beneficial um, to moving forward and to kind of working through some of the crap that happens when you're going through treatment and working with doctors. And I adore some of my doctors and some of my doctors I really struggled with um, just not being listened to or agency, all those things. And those are shared experiences that um, I think are really worked through as a community. Um, So healing through community has been the largest impact with the oncology camps for me. And I hope to continue to grow them and to expand our services. So I think it'd be really cool to have more camps right now. We just have one for young adults. We just had our first winter one though. So hopefully we can maybe start having more like retreats just all, all year long, mm-hmm. um, which would be really awesome. And yeah, I just hope to continue to either work or volunteer for, for Eagle Mountain that way. It's amazing, Brie. And I think you know, if if we look at your story and your experience and and kind of pan out and and just because I think that there's this universal experience too, and I love what you're talking about in that, you know, you went through this experience, and um, I think we're in this constant interplay of feeling whole and feeling like we're putting ourselves back together, <laughs> and maybe being human is that is that interplay between you know. Um, and so how important it is for us to have spaces where we don't have to explain ourselves. We don't have to, cause that can get exhausting. So I'm mm-hmm. sure being, you know, um, for you being in community with other people who get it, it's a, it's a club that people who have never been in it, it's, it's a steep price to pay to get into that club. And so, um, I imagine that there's some, like a sigh of relief that like, you don't have to you can just be and and you don't have to explain what it's like to be in that club. Yeah. You don't have your walls up. You know, I don't feel like I have to constantly be caretaking for people who don't understand. I don't have to explain um, my story in a way that's consumable to the average person. Mm-hmm. It can be as raw and as real as it needs to be, but I also don't have to talk about it at all because people understand it. Um, And I would say that the community has been huge in that journey, but also just recognizing that it's not my job um, to make sure that other people can handle, you know, 210 cancer survivor amputee can be a lot to come off with. I'm always debating when I'm going on dates, like, okay, do I tell them right away or do I kind of ease into this or because the story comes up, you know, people ask, oh, how did you lose your leg? And Um, I'm always kind of curious how they're going to react when I tell them, oh, I have childhood cancer. If they're going to be, you know, oh my goodness, you're so amazing, blah, 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 whatever. Or, oh, tell me more, you know, kind of a thing. And um, when I'm in the community of people who also had cancer, they could care less, you know, that I'm a two-time cancer survivor. We're all just there together. So, yeah. Yeah. It's a great equalizer. It is. I mean, it's, it's, it's funny. It's like 
through the hell that is cancer, the one silver lining, the one really amazing thing that's come from it is the people and the community. So yeah, appreciative of them. (laughs) Yeah. Well, relationship is so sacred, right? It's really how we learn and how we grow. Um, I'm wondering, Brie, if you, you know, like in, on this podcast, I talk to people who, despite what they've been through, um, or despite what's happening in the world, I see as having like a real talent or skill set to remain open-hearted. And, and I really feel that um, you have, you know, there's been ups and downs. I'm not laying on you that you're inspirational, but I know you. And this ability that you've had to remain open-hearted, that doesn't mean always positive or always feeling great, but um, you're still enthusiastic. You're still curious and, um, engaging with the world around you. You're, you're wanting, you know, your, um, engagement with the environment. And, and so I just wonder if someone is listening, um, who may be going through their own version of hell, right. A different, maybe it's not childhood cancer, but it's something. Um, can you offer any advice on how to maybe, dip back there. So maybe you're not always there, but you like find your way back to an open-hearted state. Can you give anybody advice on that? Yeah. That's a really good question. That deeper, deeper spot. Um, I found when I was going through treatment that that spot for me was being able to reconnect with what meant the most to me, which was my relationships at that time. Um, My parents were really incredible and I really, really do give them a lot of credit for how I was able to navigate everything just because it was in the moments, the little bright moments where I could have a cup of tea or I could come home and have a shower or just really small, seemingly small things that were huge. And they really helped me to be able to like get back um, to where I could feel like a person, if that makes sense, like feel like I had some control we really don't have control and, and letting go is, is huge too. And it's actually really freeing when you do recognize that actually I, I can't impact what is going to happen. I can only respond, right? We can only control our response. And I think that can be problematic in some sense because sometimes we just need to respond negatively and that's okay. Mm-hmm. Um, but that that really did help me was recognizing that I get to choose right now, how I'm going to approach life. I have zero control over what's happening around me, but I do get to choose if I approach this with an open heart and love and love the people around me as much as I can, um, or if I'm going to allow it all to kind of consume me. Um, So I guess I I approached it as I'm going to take life by the reins and and try to decide for myself how I'm going to feel. Um, with that being said, though, there was a period after I got through the thick of it where I was just in this really like not great place. And that was okay too. Like letting those emotions come and letting it be what it was, was okay. Um, and then once I kind of had some new goals and had some new aspirations in life, I kind of started to come out of that. Um, but to like let the emotions come and don't judge them because. We're, we're only human. 
permission to be human, as my dad would say, which really did help me get through it as well. Yeah. Yeah. And and we're the full catastrophe, right? We can't just be present for the times we're feeling great. No, no, that'd be exhausting too, you know? Yeah. Like you can't always be on top of it. You can't always be enthusiastic. You can't always be, you know, a hundred percent all the time. Um, and balance is really hard to find. You know, it's something I think I'm still seeking in my life as a college student. I I overdid it for sure. I enjoyed it. I think it's a unique four years of your life, right? It Where is. you really are just, <laughs> you're trying everything because you have to see what you like. So you're really yeah. just going for it. Um, but I am looking forward now to being a graduate and just kind of slowing down a little bit. So. And Brie, how does it feel like on a perfect bluebird day when you're when you're skiing out there in Montana? Is there a sense of aliveness that you feel on the slopes that you may not feel in other places? Yeah, um, that's, yeah. The first time I got back on skis after my amputation, I actually cried because it was such a beautiful bluebird day and the feeling of just soaring down the mountain and I felt so free. Um, and it reminded me of why I loved sports before, before everything. And just that feeling of, letting go and not being in your head, you know, you're just, you are present so You're present. with the elements, you're with the snow, you're with the sky, you're with the trees, the whatever else is there. Uh, it's a very privileged sport to be able to do. And I'm very grateful that I've had access to it out here. And now I get paid to ski, which is incredible. Um, and I kind of cultivated that for myself. Uh, I never anticipated becoming a ski bum. If you'd asked me in high school, what I'd be doing in college, I never would have dreamt that I would have um, a mountain that I ski at consistently, but yeah, the feeling of being on skis or biking or whatever activity, even going for a walk in the woods, it can just really ground you. And that's been super, super helpful as well. Um, in this journey of letting go. So, well, Brie, I think you're wise beyond your years. I mean, some of, you know, when you talk about letting go and being not in control, um, I know a lot of 50 and 75 year olds who have a long way to go to, to grasping what you seem to know and what you've, you've learned, um, through some, some really challenging experiences. I want to say thank you so much for your time. I'm, um, as one of your quote unquote fairy godmothers, I'm so proud of you. I'm so, um, and I Eagle Mount is so lucky to have you. And I know the impact that you're making, um, on, on others, in various, you know, in, in various stages in their own journey. And it just makes my heart happy to know that like the you of 10 years ago, you know, you can now be that for somebody else who's going through it. Um, and that's a really beautiful f- full circle moment that I see and I witness, and I'm really, really proud of you. Thank you. It's so good to see you too. And too, my right? heart is very, very full right now. So All right. Love you, Bray. Love you too so much. Thank you.